welcome to another episode of the Black Case Diaries. Hello. Hey. 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 <laughs> How are y'all doing? Could you sound more bored, Adam? <laughs> I'm not bored. Uh, <laughs> I'm having a great time, as is everyone listening, I'm sure. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're three old friends learning everything we can about movies and TV and hopefully teaching others in the process. I'm Marcy, here with... Robin. And Adam. Yay. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> so, this episode... We got some stuff to talk about. <laughs> As we do each week. week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this episode is very different from every other episode. We have something to say. <laughs> yeah, all of them have been just an hour of silence <laughs> up until now. Make sure you go back and listen to all those. Yeah, it's some oh, quality God. silence. So every once in a while on our show, we talk about a film concept. Today, we are taking a look at a specific film trope that has existed since the screwball comedies of the 1930s. It endured through generations, although nameless, until 2007, when a film critic coined the term Manic Pixie Dream Girl, or we might call it MPDG. Dictionary.com defines the term a type of female character depicted as vivacious and appealingly quirky, whose main purpose within the narrative is to inspire a greater appreciation for life in a pa- male protagonist. In a pale, in a pale protagonist. <laughs> I mean, that's what they I are mean, most kind, of the time. Are they you are kidding kind me? of pale protagonists. Especially one of them that we'll talk about here soon. <clears throat> but what exactly does this mean? Is it pointing out a sexist portrayal of women in film? Or is the term itself sexist? Has the term gotten out of hand? And who exactly qualifies as a manic pixie dream girl? Today, we're taking a look at the creation of the term and its influence on pop culture. Now, we're going to have a little disclaimer here. I know. It's okay to like any or even all of these movies that we mention in this episode. I, in fact, have always loved watching many of these. As a viewer, though, we must be aware that movies may, even if unintentionally, portray people in a way that could cause cultural harm by reinforcing certain stereotypes. That's true. Yes. Unless you're a fan of Sweet November. I mean, you can like it to watch Keanu Reeves, and that's uh, about it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to talk about the history of the phrase a little bit. So let's go back to 2007. A time when flip phones, flare jeans, flash mobs, and popped collars were popular. Goodness gracious. Flash mobs. (laughs) Yes, you remember those? Dude, those were the hot stuff. And I will say this really quick. (laughs) That's one thing that I do miss, having a smartphone, is the Mm -hmm. flip part of it. I love just clipping it closed to hang up on somebody. That I mean, man. (sighs) Yeah. At this time, the AV Club website was still fairly small and not as well-known as it is now. Nathan Rabin, one of their writers, wrote a review of the 2005 romance drama Elizabethtown. While his review did not shed a positive light on the movie, it narrowed in on one particular character that bothered him, Claire Colburn. Claire is the romantic love interest of Orlando Bloom's character, Drew Baylor. Drew Baylor is a down-on-his-luck shoe designer that recently cost his company almost a billion dollars on a failed shoe design. Just as Drew is fired from his job and contemplating suicide, he receives a call that his father has passed away. So, Drew hops on a plane to go take care of the funeral arrangements for his family. Enter Claire. While Nathan Rabin describes Claire, he coins the phrase Manic Pixie Dream Girl. He says... The Manic Pixie Dream Girl exists solely in the fevered imaginations of sensitive writer-directors to teach broodingly soulful young men to embrace life and its infinite mysteries and adventures. The Manic Pixie Dream Girl is an all-or-nothing proposition. Audiences either want to marry her instantly, despite the Manic Pixie Dream Girl being, you know, a fictional character, or they want to commit grievous bodily harm against them and their immediate family. Goodness. Those are such extremes. <laughs> those, are, those are extremes. Because the AV Club wasn't well-known, the article received little attention. But in 2008, Raven and his colleagues published another article entitled 
Wild Things, 16 films featuring manic pixie dream girls. Oh, oh my. Maybe it was a combination of a catchy name and a list of popular movie characters, but this article attracted much more attention when it was published. The reactions were mixed. Some believed that the term needed to be created to point out a misogynistic movie trope. Others were upset to see characters they truly loved and identified with presented as an unflattering example of a poorly written female character. Hmm. It's a totally understandable Yeah, could go reaction. either way. Yeah. While a lot of characters throughout film history have some of the manic pixie dream girl attributes, the defining quality for the MPDG is that they receive no real transformation throughout the film. They have no story arc of their own and exist solely to progress the man's transformation. Calling a character an MPDG is more of a critique of the filmmakers than it is of the character itself. You might find yourself wondering, why would audiences identify with a character that represents a sexist movie trope? The answer is simple. First of all, people are complicated and they like what they like. <laughs> yeah. Got them. Second, these are not bad characters, but characters that weren't treated fairly within the context of the story, not by other characters, but by the film itself. And, and just to talk for a second again about Elizabethtown, it's like for a second they were close mm. to like breaking that right yeah because there's a there's this idea that she's already dating this apparently non-existent guy yeah. and you're like oh maybe she doesn't really want to have a relationship either and that yeah. she's going through this change or whatever but they don't they don't commit to right that. he yeah it never shows up and it's just like there's almost enough to like mm -hmm. get away from this you know and yeah. she'd be more yeah but instead they go the other way and but just have just her flips, appear yeah. whenever he needs her. Right. Mm -hmm. So we're going to list off of just a few of the characters described as Manic Pixie Dream Girls according to that second article. Yeah. So 16 characters were named in this list, but we will point out a few to discuss and see whether or not we agree with the this term. Yeah, assigning these characters. Yeah. We only grabbed a couple out of the list. Ones. We right, did. Yeah, right. there's there's a few a few that are, you know, contentious maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, first we've got Sam in Garden State played by Natalie Portman. So, a Zach Braff movie, right? Mhm. Yeah. So Sam in this one is a very colorful character. She pops up. She's listening to music, and she tells Zach Braff's character, "He need, you know, this this song will change your life. Mm -hmm. Here you go." Yeah. And she does all these quirky little things, and she's there's this one scene where where she does this like dance type. She's like dancing, and she makes these weird noises like. <laughs> yeah, and she's like nobody else has ever done that. Uh, you know, in yeah. this spot ever. So yes. it's unique and it's original. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you want it to be a nice scene. And you're like, that's cute. But also kind of, <laughs> you I don't want, know. Trying you too learn. hard, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. It's it's an over-the-top idea, you know, that she is, <laughs> she is this crazy, quirky, not like other girls. And, yeah. And this is... This is a problem, and we're going to talk later about, you know, the cultural issues that came that come about when you have tropes like this. But this is a problem, just the, the not like other girls thing is one of, it is incredibly detrimental. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Because, yeah, because just the idea of it yeah. immediately pits you against other women. Right, mm -hmm. and it's not just in movies, too. This is, yeah. the not like other girls thing is very broad. Yeah, mm -hmm. and you're thinking, you know, well, I'm different. And so, therefore, I am better or I am more yeah. interesting to men. But that's a great example of no one's ever done that thing in this spot at this exact, you know. Yeah. And it's true. What she's saying is true. And mm -hmm. there is something to be learned from that. But it's just a little too much. Yeah. You know? And she's really doing it to try to change his perspective. It's, again, mm -hmm. focusing on him. He's the sad, brooding male character Batman. that just <laughs> Batman uh, Brathman man. <laughs> that, that needs help and and she's this quirky colorful just she, she's very 
she smiles a lot and she she's never bubbly sad she and, doesn't she doesn't yeah. have her own problem yeah she buries all these pets that she's had but she's still just mm-hmm. so happy and mm-hmm. i think one issue is lack of depth yes and so there isn't a lot of depth to this character the mm-hmm. only things that we know about her from his perspective and then also all of those things are good because she's only showing him good things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that's the whole thing. You know, she doesn't come right. in and say, hey, I also have chronic depression. Like right. she doesn't do that because, <laughs> you know, her existence is and even if she did, he probably wouldn't even really listen no. or he'd write it off as another quirky mm-hmm. trait of hers. Right. Yeah. And then by the by the end of the movie, when when they go away off into their wonderful relationship, we can see that and be like, mm, that's not healthy. <laughs> right. Because it will eventually, I mean, everybody's human, right? So mm-hmm. eventually, yeah. something's going to come along that's going to have to break this happy-go-lucky <laughs> attitude, true. right? Yeah. And then they'll be like, you're, you're different. Yeah. You're not the woman I fell in love with. <laughs> it's like, are yeah. you kidding me? It's like, well, okay, because I only told you a few different exactly. things. Yeah. Exactly. You only knew a handful of things about me when you fell in love with me. Right. Well, so would we say that Garden State, it, she is? I Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would rule a yes on that yeah, one. Yeah, I'd I, agree with that one, too. It would be good to know more about her character. Mm-hmm. But again, it's nothing, nothing's wrong with her character. No. That's why some people identify with these characters. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, some people do do things like that. Yeah. You know. Dude, if I was 14 years old watching that movie. Yeah. yeah. And that scene where she's like, no one's ever done that. I would have been like, yeah. I'm going to go do something <laughs> yes, that no one's ever right. done. No one. I am unique. Like I mean, seriously. Yeah. That I mean, I. <laughs> yeah, my first watching it, I thought I, I was like, "This is a cute movie. Yeah. I like it. I enjoy mm-hmm. it." The next one here we've got is Penny Lane in Almost Famous, played by Kate Hudson. I have a hard time with this one because I do think that this character. I understand that framed in the movie, I, I can see how yeah. she's there. Most she's there for the male character. Yeah, mm-hmm. but she does kind of grow in the movie she does kind of have her own ambitions Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i really think a lot of it is you know she's super idealistic and i think that Mm -hmm. that's a problem that people have Mm -hmm. but you know at the end of the movie she doesn't stay with him she's like i don't love you you know she Mm -hmm. goes and does the one thing that she's always wanted to do the the kind of feeling i get is sure like you said in the context of the movie she's kind of there for him but take him out and she's still doing her own thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas in another movie without the male character f- for the dream girl to bounce off of. Yes. Yeah. There's what nowhere she, there's right. what yeah. it, there's nowhere for the character to go, but at least in this one I mean she was already there before this guy showed up mm-hmm. and she probably would have and she was continuing to go after he yeah. left like, yeah. you know. Right. Mm-hmm. She has these problems. Mm-hmm. That are going on. We don't know her actual age. She's constantly lying about that. She has an overdose that we don't know it was on purpose or accidental, you know, later in the movie. And and then he has to save her. And I think that Mm. that is the big, that's the big problem, her having to be saved. But yeah. but then once she is saved, she's like, I'm gonna take that chance and leave yeah. and do. Gee, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't. She she's not like, wow, thanks, you saved me. Now you know, I love you. Yeah, yeah, you know, I owe you everything. Mm-hmm. It, that's not something that she does. But it, I think with it does match the archetype in the sense that she's not the main character. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie kind of does frame her a little bit that way. And also because we do have a male counterpart that has a bit of a hero complex mm-hmm. with her. Mm-hmm. You know, she shows him the world of music and he's in love with her. And or he's totally infatuated with her and she does not return those feelings at all. But she does kind of have her own things that she wants. Yeah. So do you guys agree with the term being put on her? I do and I don't, I guess. This one's weird. I would say within in just the context of the movie. I yeah. I see how she fulfills most of the things. She mm-hmm. checks most of the boxes, mm-hmm. I would say. But the the one that's most important to me is that she does seem to have a bit of an arc mm-hmm. in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree with your points. I think she does just enough Yeah. Um, outside of this trope to mm-hmm. kind of become her own thing. And like you said, was going to continue and do her own thing without this, with or right. without this guy. Yeah, I think that... 
his involvement with the band mm-hmm. might have changed the course of her life. Mm-hmm. But at least it did change her life. At yeah. least it wasn't just her changing his life. Right. That's true. So next on here, we've got Annie Hall in Annie Hall, <laughs> uh, played by Diane Keaton. Yeah. Yay. This is another one I think is pretty contentious. People hear it and they get mad because yeah. this is a very much beloved movie. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Very much beloved character. Yeah. And I, I think one of the one of the defenses that I did see again was, oh, she's based on a real person. She's yeah. based on Diane Keaton. I saw that too. Yeah. Right? So mm-hmm. they, they, they mm-hmm. said, I watched it. Looking for a manic pixie dream girl. I I yes. did. I looked. I was very. I was trying to be very critical, and <laughs> and to try to find to find it in the movie. And I think that the the thing that I noticed the most wasn't so much that she's manic pixie, it's that he kind of treats her like she's manic pixie. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I yeah. I think and and he's you know he directed the movie. He's starring in the movie. So I could see how in this story she is. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. In the context of the movie. But there are all of these asides and all of these moments where you can see that she does have goals and ambitions. She does fight back a lot of the time when they have arguments and things. And I think every piece of her as a character is there in the movie and that Mm -hmm. she's not one-sided or just a trope. But I think that those things are being ignored. So he's kind of like, look, look, I don't care. I just need you to be around for me to feel better. Yeah. Mm. It's it's one of those movies that you want to watch the first time and appreciate his side. And then you go back and you watch it and you put yourself in her shoes Mm -hmm. and watch it through her eyes and be like oh you know what okay i see what's happening here Mm -hmm. she has all she makes all these decisions she argues she has her own kind of arc and but again like robin said it's getting ignored he's ignoring it yeah she's smart she is witty but she's also quirky and she's from a small yeah. town and she says funny words that mm-hmm. he makes fun of and, and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So I could see, I could mm-hmm. see the manic pixie. Yeah. I could see it. It's I could, like yeah. hints of it. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. there's one scene that we talked about before recording where they're in line at the movies and yeah. this really emphasizes how she's being ignored Yeah, because she says that she missed therapy today. And he's like, oh, what? how could you have missed therapy? She's like, oh, well, my 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 alarm, I overslept or mm-hmm. my alarm clock didn't go off or something. Or, and he's like, oh, how did that happen? And, and Yeah, and she <laughs> points out, she says, you know, I'm telling you that I miss therapy. And you are only worried about how it affected you. Mm-hmm. And so, it, you know, it's like, I yeah. don't exist just for you. Mm-hmm. You know, I have my own life. Mm-hmm. outside of yep. you so yep. in a way they're purposefully calling out in, in some sense i would picture. say yeah. yeah at that point it's later in their relationship mm-hmm. and so i feel like we're watching what happens when oh, you I get see. together with somebody when a man gets together with a manic pixie dream girl <laughs> yeah and he has all these all these wonderful ideas <laughs> of what she's going to be you know and and who she is she's this magical being that he knows not that much about and then as time goes on and and things that happen later and you know conversations that happen later and <laughs> when when you start to realize that she's an actual person mm-hmm. <laughs> oh boy yes yes yep. in the context of her being a manic pixie dream girl mm-hmm. i think that's kind of hard to yeah yeah, I, I think I think in like we said he, in his eyes she is, especially in the beginning of the relationship. Mm-hmm. So this is probably the least, the one we agree with the least so far. Probably, probably, yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Mm-hmm. I, I get it. Yeah. though. I get why yeah. somebody watched it and pegged her as one. Mm-hmm. The issue is that the stereotype is harmful. Yeah, and I don't think her character is a harmful character for women to watch. Mm-hmm. I, and so I think that that's. Yeah, that's where it's kind of gray. Especially mm-hmm. if she could call him out on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And that's in the movie and that's part of it. We're seeing, like you said, after the credits of all these other movies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Next here we have Holly Golightly in Breakfast at Tiffany's, played by Audrey Hepburn. So my sister, Rachel, she really likes Breakfast at Tiffany's. The movie is based on a, on a, on a work by Truman Capote. She loves both. And cool. so I asked her about this because I wanted to know 
how she felt about this, you know, this character being identified as a manic picture yeah. dream girl. Holly Golightly is a very much loved character. Yes. It's the poster that's on every college dorm I was dorm just going to say that. Wall. I was like, I have seen the poster so many yeah. times oh. that it's, it's just, it's a very, it's just iconic. Yeah. It's an iconic image. Audrey Hepburn is killing it. Yeah. She looks like I mean, fly as hell. Like she <laughs> yeah, really, she I mean, does. she knows she's great in the movie. And if you look at it from the context of the actual story versus the context of the film, mm-hmm. in the story, I would say absolutely not. I would yeah. not say she's Manic Pixie Dream Girl mm-hmm. at all. And the reason I would say that is because in the story, she is the main character. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though it's not told from her perspective, it's actually told from the male perspective in, in the story. But it is, I would say that it is more about her than it is about him. Mm-hmm. And then also in the story, the character is the same as the character in the movie, mm-hmm. but the framing is very different. In the story, he doesn't really, he's her friend, he's not her love interest, and he doesn't wish to change her or to fix her or to save her from the life that she's in. Mm-hmm. But in the movie, it is a little different. Uh-huh. In the movie, it's more, she does kind of appear and she does kind of show him how great life is and how interesting life can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that does happen. And then the endings are different. And I think that that's the probably the big key. In the ending of the story, she goes off. She leaves. She is gone. Mm. And nobody knows where she is. It's a very it's a very big point. It's made early in the story that they don't even know where she is and they're so she's still kind of a dream girl because they're mm. so infatuated with her and they're so there's they're just wondering where in the world she could be that years later even the slightest idea of knowing where she was mm-hmm. captures all these men's attention you know uh. mm-hmm. and that's that's how dreamy she is in the story but then in the movie she decides to just be with the main guy and it it is kind of weird because the the story itself is such a great critique of gender norms and mm-hmm. the idea that women exist for men and she kind of she turns that on its head by using she knows that men want to use her and so yeah. she therefore uses them mm-hmm. she bamboozles them yeah. oh yeah she she knows that men will give her what she wants because she's beautiful and if she acts like she wants them and that's mm-hmm. what she does. That's how she makes her money. That's how she makes her living as a character. And then when she needs to go, she goes. She doesn't yeah. think about the male, the when, ma- main male character. When the when the when the business gets a little hot, mm-hmm. it's just like we gotta cool off a little bit. <laughs> gotta get out of here yeah. before something goes wrong. Yes, she escaped a marriage when she was only fourteen years old, mm-hmm. and uh, this is in the story as well. And when it and. Rachel pointed out, this is something that Rachel pointed out to me, is that in the movie, when when that character returns, when the husband returns to come get her, it honestly is, it feels really strange. Mm -hmm. It's so out of place because the movie doesn't build up to that. It doesn't build up Uh, to mm -hmm. that moment. And it's the only thing that happens in the movie that really gives the character depth. Because now we see, oh, she has a past. Mm. She's not just Uh. some some dreamy woman who just floats around life and sings on her fire escape. (laughs) You know, she actually has a tough past. So there's definitely trauma there. So in the movie, I would say, yeah, I would say she's more manic pixie dream girl in the movie than she's in the story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In the movie, it's a little bit of a problem Mm -hmm. that she's so manic pixie because not only... Do we see her faults? She's got a drinking problem in the movie. You know, the husband shows up mm-hmm. from her previous marriage. But those faults are kind of written off as part of yeah. her quirky. Mm-hmm. And also, she lives a life that she needs to be saved from. Mm-hmm. But in and there goes the hero complex of the male characters that happen a lot with Manic Pixie Dream Girls. But in the book, she doesn't need to be saved from fucking anything. No. Mm-hmm. She's fine. I would yeah. say I would say yeah and it's actually kind of sad because the characters are actually pretty much exactly the same. And it is really amazing how just because the perspective shifts, yeah, we see her as a totally different character even though she is the same. Yeah. Yeah. Perspective's a big part. Next we have Sarah Deaver in Sweet November played by Charlize Theron. 
I have nothing to say about this. Yes. We'll actually talk about this one a little bit later in the episode. (laughs) Oh, no. But But I think we can just... How about for now we just say, yes, she is... I agree with this one. The definition of a manic pixie dream girl. Oh, boy, oh, boy. (laughs) I think that if you were going to teach people how to write one, they should watch this movie. (laughs) I agree. Mm -hmm. And then one that we don't have written here, but I wanted to bring up because it's a popular one, Mm. is Ramona Flowers. Yeah. From Scott Pilgrim versus the World. It's a very popular example because it's kind of changed what people yeah expect now because of how popular it was you know the colored hair is a huge yeah. piece of it be it's so easy to think of a woman with her hair uh colored into like a bright something that you don't expect oh wow she's the quirkiest yes. thing you've ever yeah. seen because of yeah. that hair music yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and wearing like a ripped up jacket kind of thing and being a little bit punky mm-hmm. you know i mean fit in with the right. context of the movie i guess I, yeah because she's kind of she is scott pilgrim's dream girl yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so then you know they needed to create a dream girl that would be perfect for scott pilgrim mm-hmm. it's an interesting case because scott pilgrim is meant to be like a total asshole mm-hmm. <laughs> and i mean <laughs> yeah. he, he kind of is but the movie doesn't do the best job of of portraying that yeah you watch the movie and you mm-hmm. especially if you're younger when mm-hmm. you watch it you mm-hmm. kind of feel like you're supposed yeah. to be on scott's side yeah yeah you're like he's an average dude that's yeah. just trying to get the girl he's and an everyday man yeah. yeah yeah and he's beating up these other guys with superpowers I yeah guess. Yeah, but when you really look at it and you think about where he was t- before all this started, it's like he's kind of a dick. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he kind of dropped this other girl. Yes. for the hell of it, mm-hmm. and he's not really nice to his bandmates. He's right. he's not that nice to his roommate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and then this girl comes along, Ramona Flowers, and I don't want to say completely. Like, plays into that, but, I mean, kind of plays into yeah, that, right? She, yeah, she does, I would say, you know, she appears, and then he's solely focused on her, mm-hmm. and she doesn't outwardly point out what a dipshit he is, mm-hmm. but he does learn from her, and I mm-hmm. he does have an arc because of her. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Whereas she doesn't get to have one at all. Mm-hmm. She's not even in the movie as much as yeah. others. No. Because she doesn't actively tell him these things, like you said. Yeah. But all of these exes spout stuff at Scott Pilgrim as they fight that mm-hmm. makes him realize these things. And he has to go through change that's portrayed with like video gamey yeah. right. jokes. Yeah. Right. But it's not really her doing it. It's mm-hmm. because of her, yes, mm-hmm. but it's not as much her. She's yeah. like ever present but not actually present. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, like Yeah, he learns yeah. I mean, and I think the idea is that he is supposed to be learning that she had a past and dealing with that past. Mm-hmm. And that she's, you know, along with that that she's a person. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, who's an imperfect person that mm-hmm. will, you know, but it's not really a proper realization because he kind of like defeats it with his fists. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's hard. I mean, sure, the movie's supposed to be doing that, making it a little weird and different, right? Mm-hmm. The whole movie is a manic pixie dream movie, <laughs> oh. you know. Yeah. But but do portraying it like that doesn't allow you to really get the get the idea, yeah. you know? Because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you could just beat up your problems. Yeah. Anyway. Do you guys think that she counts? I'd say she counts. Yeah, yeah I, w- <laughs> I, think so. I think she does. It's yeah. an interesting case because, you know, she's in the movie so little, but I mean, that's part of the trope. Yeah, and kind also, of, so. I, I mean, because it's a great movie that I do really yeah. enjoy. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. But it's just, you know, you just ha- you just have to watch and think about that stuff. It's mm-hmm. it's okay to like it. You just got to think about it. That's yep. all. Yeah. And, and be better yes. because of it. So, as a term or phrase is used, there will always be times when it may be misused or misunderstood. So, these past movies, we kind of agreed with things, we disagreed. Mm -hmm. It happens. Two of the most common movies that 
that get accused of the MPDG trope are Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and 500 Days of Summer. The female characters in these movies, however, have their own goals, arcs, and intentions that are not solely there for the man. If you have not seen these movies, please do. They were actually really well done. <laughs> so Clementine, from Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, appears at first glance to be a pixie because she has colorful hair, her introduction to us is whimsical, and she's quirky. However, this is all turned around on us when conversations within the movie and when spoilers we find out that she chose to erase the male protagonist from her memory yeah what we thought was their first meeting was actually in fact technically their second so when she seems to know him she doesn't realize that it's because she actually did she just can't remember oh what an interesting yes. twist on this yes. whole thing so this, this quirky, what we think is their first introduction is why we think, oh, she's, that's quirky. She just came up and like is talking to him and it's all, yeah. it's all good, you know, and, and she seems to know him, but she, you know, she's yeah. like, oh, I must know How you. charming. But yeah. Yeah. And she I points see. out her hair color. She's like, oh, you probably don't recognize me because of my hair. Cause yeah. she's, yeah. And it's just very odd. And then when you see that they actually, that's their second meeting, they just don't know it. It's like, oh, wow. Okay. What a twist. This is different. So she she made a decision. She didn't do it for him. She did it for herself. Yeah. Hmm. And that's that's a very, I think that's the main reason why it's like, okay, she, she can't be a yeah. pixie dream girl because she didn't do that for him. She did it for herself. There's a great scene in this movie where the male protagonist, Joel, played by Jim Carrey, is talking to Clementine, but it is made clear that it is a combination of a memory he has of them talking with added dialogue from his new perspective on the relationship that they had. It illustrates that Clementine makes decisions that are in her own interest and not to further his life. Hmm. So in this scene, Clementine says, too many guys think I'm a concept or I complete them or I'm going to make them alive. But I'm just a fucked up girl who's looking for my own peace of mind. Don't assign me yours. And Joel says, I remember that speech really well. And Clementine said, I had you pegged, didn't I? And Joel says, you had the whole human race pegged. And Clementine says, hmm, probably. He says, I still thought you were going to save my life, even after that. And she says, oh, I know. And I think that's, the perfect way to say that when a guy thinks that she's going to ch change his life. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing. The The manic pixie dream girl is there to change your life, change yeah. your perspective. And... The next movie is 500 Days of Summer. While 500 Days of Summer is told as most MPDG films are through the male perspective, if you look a little closer, you will see that throughout the entire film, Summer, played by Zoe Deschanel, is not afraid to say what it is she wants and stand up for herself. She clearly, from the beginning, says that she does not believe in love and that she does not want a full relationship with Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character, Tom. Interesting. I think yeah. this movie did a really good job of having the audience have a certain idea of what was going to happen and an, and an expectation. Yeah. And it it showed kind of how even as audience members, we don't often listen to the characters as well, or female characters especially. Because a lot of people came out of this movie a little sad because they wanted them to get together. And she says it in the beginning. like That's not what I want. Yeah. It's that you should see it. You should listen to her as early. Mm -hmm. It's just when she says it in the beginning of the movie that it's not going to happen. Yeah. And yet you still want it, it to, to happen, happen. <laughs> yeah. even though you I mean, know that's not what she wants. We've yeah. been trained for that to happen because, you know, we've had many examples where it's like, oh, don't fall in love with me. You won't fall in love with me. And then they both fall in love together. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It, it, it's just what we're I'm trained. I'm perfect. You shouldn't <laughs> love me. I mean, Elizabethtown. <laughs> <laughs> 
In a bar scene where he defends her honor after she is hit on by another man, she chastises Tom saying, oh, really? Was that for me? Was that for my benefit? Okay, well, next time don't because I don't need your help. Ooh, got him. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. Remember when we talked about how a manic pixie dream girl has no transformation? Well, with Summer, not only does she inadvertently possibly teach Tom about life and love, she learns too. She, he has changed her. She's finally able to accept a marriage from someone else, some, something she thought she would never do. She does what she wants and what she believes will make her happy. And it's interesting because, again, bringing up the after the credits mm-hmm. part of the relationship, like if this movie had ended the way everybody wanted it to, yeah, we just would go off knowing that it's not going to last. Mm-hmm. But in this case, yeah. they don't fall for that. And then they get into, she gets into a relationship that may last. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Robin mentioned that Annie Hall, what happened there was that he was treating her as a manic pixie dream girl. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the exact same case for this movie. He, mm-hmm. that's the way he was treating her, but she actually wasn't. Yeah. Whether it seems whether intentionally or not. Yeah. It was right. just c- making her fit a mold that he wanted her to fit in. And mm-hmm. it's, yeah. 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 yeah, it's like, don't act like you're surprised by this. Mm-hmm. I told you. I told you. Yeah, I'm yeah. not being cute. Yeah. Like, this isn't a movie. <laughs> I mean, it is. But yeah. in their context, this isn't a movie. I'm not being one of these for you. Mm-hmm. Stop yeah. it. Yeah, it wasn't a cute thing that I said when I was like, I'm not interested in a relationship. That wasn't my invitation to you to try harder. To, like, pursue harder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or yeah. to convince me that it's not what I want. You know, that that's what yeah. I want. So Elizabeth Town is the first movie that Nathan Rabin called out as an MPDG movie. It is hard not to notice that this story is shown through the male perspective. If you look up examples of these movies, you may even notice that the majority of them are in fact through the man's viewpoint. Many of them we just talked about. So let's look at the difference between two specific movies that were both made in 2001. Our first example is from a male perspective. Robin's favorite movie now, Sweet November. Oh, boy. Buckle up. In this movie that Nathan Rabin listed in in 2008, we are fed the story through the perspective of Keanu Reeves' character, Nelson. His love interest, Sarah, is played by Charlize Theron. This movie is a by-the-book MPDG. Nelson is the classic workaholic that does not have time to appreciate life and the people around him. When we are introduced to Sarah, she is a quirky, eccentric character that wears colorful scarves and saves puppies from being experimented on. Oh, wow. What a hero. Yeah. There's many times within this movie that she says all she wants to do is help Nelson, that he doesn't need to understand her, and that she has a special ability to help men with problems. She is the excitement in his life, and she gets him to treat others better. She refuses to talk about her family, we only learn of one sister, or her life because it is her month to help him. I don't have words (laughs) for how bad that is. Yes. Just, I mean, this perpetuates the idea that women, that there are women, maybe not all of them, maybe just ones that are wear colorful scarves, but that are women out there that exist solely for other people mm-hmm. and not for themselves. Yeah. Because she not only just says, I'm here for you, and that I'm only here for you, she says it about a lot of different men. She yes. says that she helps a lot of men this way yes. by sleeping with them and living with yes. them and not making the relationship about her at all. <laughs> That's all you have to do, ladies. <laughs> yes, so the reason that the movie is called Sweet November is because his month was November. Right. She had other guys oh. each month, a couple months. So I don't know, I don't remember how many guys, but she would take... A month. Twelve, And perhaps. focus on one guy. Possibly. <laughs> so, spoilers, she is dying of cancer. And so she is, she wants to help men. That is, that was her calling. I, I don't know. It, uh, pu- it, no. Puppies would have been better. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Save the animals. Yeah. 
So now that we've talked about that lovely male perspective movie, let's more, more like sour November. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Let's compare it with an example of a female perspective from 2001, Bridget Jones's Diary. Uh-huh. Woohoo! In this modern adaptation of Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice, we are introduced to Bridget Jones as the female protagonist. She is a woman with goals that she writes down in a diary. We get to hear her through voiceover narration, talk about her career, family, friends, love, and self-image. These are all things that people struggle with in life, especially women. Her love life just so happens to be caught between two men in the film, Mark Darcy, played by Colin Firth, and Daniel Cleaver, played by Hugh Grant. That's cute that it's, that it's Colin Firth again. Yeah, yes, and he plays Darcy. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Imagine Bridget's character if the movie was told through Mark Darcy's perspective. Bridget is quirky, awkward, and teaches a staunch and formal man to break his engagement with another woman that he does not love. She's clumsy. She's charismatic. Mm. She has obvious flaws. Yep. She blurts out random things. Mm -hmm. I I think that... Yeah, I, I think that if the movie was told from his perspective, people would say she was a manic pixie dream girl. Yeah. But because the movie is told from her perspective, it's different. She's not. I mean, shoot, you could, thinking about it that way, you go back to the other Pride and Prejudice that we did an episode on, yeah. throwback. In a way, you could say that she was one too if it were told that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But luckily it's not. Thank yeah. God. I mean, Yeah. <laughs> Being that these movies tend to be from the male perspective, it would suggest that the MPDG hinges on there being a male lead. Once a woman becomes the protagonist, she is typically given goals and problems, which in turn creates a transformation to her character instead of focusing on his. So the simple fact that they are protagonists means that they have to have things that yes. matter. Yeah. There has to be something that they're working toward. <laughs> they have to have things that matter and be doing something about it. Yes. And that's all it is. So we're going to talk a little bit about the trope and how it has affected pop culture and whether or not it is something that is kind of damaging or if it's harmless, you know. In a News Statesman article by a woman named Lori Penny, she identifies herself as an MPDG. Like she's a real person and she says that she is an MPDG. She says she grew into that personality because of the rise of the stereotype in the media. She said, Manic pixies, like other female archetypes, crop up in real life partly because fiction creates real life, particularly for those who grow up immersed in it. I absolutely agree with that. That yeah. makes... Yeah. I, I could see how she could. she's saying... I am this, even though real people can't be MPDGs just mm-hmm. by the nature of the term. Mm-hmm. But she's saying I am this because uh, my personality was molded by these characters because mm-hmm. so many of these movies didn't have female leads. Yeah. And they had male leads. And then, you know, with the manic pixie dream girl there. So seeing women portrayed that way could sway young women to act that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially in the movies where they end up with the guy. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, if I want to end up with a guy, then yeah. maybe I should be like this. Exactly. Mm-hmm. She goes on later to say, Men grow up expecting to be the hero in their own story. Women grow up expecting to be the supporting actress in somebody else's. Yep. Woof. Yeah. That is such a true, that really struck a chord with me. Because that is a very, mm-hmm. I feel that. Yeah. That's something that women, even if it's not said, it's something that's kind of expected of us, and it, mm-hmm. it, we kind of see it in these movies, and we yeah. don't even question it sometimes. Mm-hmm. In an Atlantic article, writer Hugo Schweizer uses Penny's piece, but from the male perspective. He explains how the trope can cause men to have a skewed view of women in real life. Schweizer explains, As unstable as she may be, The manic pixie dream girl not only senses a young man's potential in a way that he can't, she intuitively knows how to lead him to his destiny. She knows him better than he knows himself, or so he believes. That convenient assumption allows the young man both to adore the MPDG and to avoid any responsibility for reciprocity. How can he be expected to give anything back 
when she has this magical intuition about the world that so vastly exceeds his own. You know, it makes sense because the whole point, like we've kept saying, the whole point is for this woman to fix this guy, essentially, Mm -hmm. right? When you could just be like, hey, bucko, work on it. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, you don't need this woman to guide you to right. your destiny. And if men grow up thinking that that's what women are for, then, then when they just, do, yeah. They'll just wait for one. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and when when a real human being comes along, they're going to be like, well, yeah. this isn't what the movie said. But it, yeah, and it's supposed to be a give and take mm-hmm. with the yeah. man and the woman. Right. And in these movies, that's not how it seems. No. Yeah. Schweitzer describes how he played the role of a male in real life to a woman that he considers to be an MPDG. He explains that the relationship that they have was one-sided, and after knowing each other for years, she committed suicide. He was shocked. He knew nothing about her mental illness, and he realized that he never asked. This is an extreme example of how dangerous the archetype can be, but it shows that these ideas can cause real-world issues in relationships. So, he realized that he leaned on her, but he never really allowed her to lean on him. And so when that happened, he was shocked Mm -hmm. and he found out that other people knew that she had depression. Other people knew about that, but he didn't. And he was the one that was in a relationship with her. While Lori Penny said, for me, Manic Pixie Dream Girl was the story that fit. She admitted that she had the basic physical and personality traits, the raw materials to live the part. Hugo Schweizer said, I, on the other hand, had the requisite qualities to be the boy who fell in love with MPDGs. Wow. So there are people out there who say, like, look, this does have real world consequences. It does. Because it it's always portrayed as such a, like, nice thing. Yeah. At least, mm-hmm. you know, in all these movies, it's like, oh, look at that. The movie's over and they're together and it's all great. At least being on the guy's side, having a male perspective here, it's like, yeah, what guy wouldn't want something like that, right? Right. Mm -hmm. But this is reality. (laughs) So. It's bad for both men and women. Women are expected to be supporting actors in life's movies for men. And then men are expected to use women for their own self-discovery while never helping or challenging their female counterparts to grow. There are also examples of media that inadvertently perpetuate the stereotype, even while trying to destroy it. For example, writer John Green, author of the popular young adult books, Fault in Our Stars and Paper Towns. Green explained that Paper Towns is devoted in its entirety to destroying the lie of the manic pixie dream girl. I do not know how I could have been less ambiguous about this without calling the novel the patriarchal lie of the manic pixie dream girl must be stabbed in the heart and killed. <laughs> I don't think that's as catchy as uh, yeah, Paper Towns is a little more catchy. Yeah. Others argue that as much as John Green claims that this is a deconstruction of the phrase, it actually feeds right into the trope. The main reason being that at the end of the book and movie, we are left with only the mystery of who Margot is because she exits Quentin's, the male protagonist's story, having changed him. In the end of the movie, Quentin says, "Whatever Margot is doing, wherever she is now, I'm sure it's something special." But hey, that's her story to tell. On a surface level, this is good. We know that she has her own life and story, but also shows that for this movie, she was still just an MPDG elevating Quentin's storyline. Oh, yeah, that's... I'm surprised because of how much, like, praise this got. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, wait a second. That's exactly what we were just talking about. It's exactly an MPDG. Yeah. I mean... We're left with the mystery of who she is mm-hmm. and where she is and what she's doing. It's like, well, yeah. she's exactly. a pixie then. She just yeah. disappeared. It's very similar yeah. to Almost Famous, where yeah. she kind of goes off and is kind of... You can't just say, well, that's her story to tell yeah. and expect that to yeah. erase <laughs> the first that sentence. Just happened. <laughs> like, you, you, you just, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> I can see how it was trying to do it, but mm-hmm. I can also see how it fed right into it mm-hmm. <laughs> later on. So in recent years, there has been a call to lay the phrase to rest and cancel it. 
When Nathan Rabin first released this phrase into the world, he meant no harm. He was simply trying to point out that there are movies, especially like Elizabethtown, where the female characters are left underdeveloped by writers and directors. Nathan Rabin, in a July 2014 Salon article, apologized for coining this phrase. He said, I remember thinking, even back then, that a whole list of manic pixie dream girls might be stretching the conceit too far. The archetype of the free-spirited life lover who cheers up a male sad sack has existed in the culture for ages. Giving an idea a name and a fuzzy definition, you apparently also give it power. In my case, that power spun out of control. Yeah. It's, it seems that way. You can call it out much more easily mm-hmm. now rather than saying... Yeah hey, this character's underdeveloped, you now just say, well, that's a minute because you dream girl. Right, yeah. and it seems a bit dismissive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it has now become a kind of catch-all for any girl that is slightly different or quirky. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There are examples of the term being used to describe actual people. Based on the definition, this is inherently as incorrect as it is hurtful. The MPDG qualification relies on the idea the female character doesn't have an arc of her own. How could we look at any real woman and determine that she doesn't have her own goals and life journey? Yeah. Like, you can't. Real no. people can't be an MPDG. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Even Lori Penny, who talked about yeah. being an MPDG. Said yeah. She meant she has, like, the personality type. Yes. Yeah. She didn't mean that she doesn't have goals. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And, and that's the thing. You can't, you just don't want to define it as that anymore mm-hmm. like if you have the personality that is similar to that yeah well then you just have an interesting personality mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean you just have an interesting yeah. personality you have you have quirks and you like to do silly things sometimes mm-hmm. that doesn't mean you're a manic pixie dream yeah girl. it doesn't yes, mean exactly. that you exist solely for men right exactly yeah one such example is a bulwark article calling alexandria ocasio cortez the left's manic pixie dream girl the case could be made that the phrase is reaching a point where it is causing some measure of harm, and it all started from a movie review. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, you know, the term is not inherently negative. Mm-hmm. No. And we've talked about that, but it's still hurtful to diminish an actual human being mm-hmm. to a movie trope. And you know, mm-hmm. and you know, it's interesting in this case, and not just her, but any person in this field right yeah yeah their goal in life could be to help other people that can be their goal Mm -hmm. and aspiration but it's not their sole purpose for existing (laughs) right they still have a relationship or they could still have relationships with their family with Mm -hmm. a with another person Mm -hmm. whoever Mm -hmm. you know it doesn't matter it's not their reason for existing they could want to do it and they feel compelled to do it that's that's fine but like when you boil it down and make it their sole existence well that's that's where it's a problem yeah in recent years there's been a greater focus on how women are represented in movies we see this with the Bechtel test and the pointing out of harmful stereotypes so if you're unfamiliar, the Bechtel test was created by Alison Bechtel in one of her online comics. And it's actually been around for a little while. But it's, you know, when you watch a movie, look for two female characters in a scene without a male present discussing something other than the male. That is the way to pass the Bechtel test. These stereotypes can be as simple as when a woman, to become a bombshell, removes their geeky glasses and takes down their hair. <laughs> we've seen that a million times <laughs> can we all be real here for a second that it doesn't matter whether you wear glasses or not or have your hair up or yeah. have your hair up like you look you look good if you want to you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. like if that's how you look that's how you look right yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. i mean exactly you, like, you don't have to have your hair down without I, glasses to like, look good I, I, <laughs> yeah in a Washington Post article, Sonia Rayo said the manic pixie dream girl trope demonstrates our culture's compulsive need to categorize people. The question is, does categorizing these characters help or hurt our society? Mm-hmm. Some would argue that the term has been used to subvert audience expectations. 
500 Days of Summer is a good example of subverting this trope. Yeah, like we talked about how if you fall for the trope and you're watching the movie, you think that they're going to end up together. As opposed to John Green, who was trying to subvert it and instead continued the trope. Yeah. Oops. I think it was a valiant effort, and I can yes. see what he was trying to do. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. and, and, and we could go back and discuss the entire story and be like, yeah. well, they are subverting it in ways. Yeah. But- in recent years, there has been a movement to take back the term, but the term itself is largely viewed as negative. But is it inherently negative? Defenders of the term claim that it actually isn't bad. It's the fact that the MPDGs are not the protagonists of the story. Writer Akila Hughes, in her Hello Giggles article, lists some characters that she thinks are MPDGs, but are also protagonists, like Xenon, Pippi Longstockings, and Ellie in Up. So, even though the term may be misused, and in some cases could be harmful, what's more harmful is what Nathan Rabin was trying to pin down. Women are not magic. Well, not all of them, anyway. (laughs) They don't appear only for the purposes of others, especially not men. And if your favorite female characters have been called a manic pixie dream girl, don't get too upset. It doesn't mean the character or even the movie is bad. It means that this woman wasn't shot with the correct metaphorical lens. It means that she wasn't given her due. Yeah, that's all. It's not a critique of the character, really. It's more of a critique on who made the movie. Yeah, how they were framed. The writing. Yeah. Whatever. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But even knowing about the problem is is a little helpful. Yeah. Right. That's what I was going to say. In some ways, it being defined is good because we can see it. Yeah. Right? It, It being defined, like, sure, there are ways to... Uh, write a woman character that isn't a manic pixie dream girl but still underdeveloped yeah right and that's something else to worry about but at least Mm -hmm. in some ways it's helped spot a problem yeah you know because without spotting the problem if if the term wasn't around yeah i mean would we be having this discussion yeah about underdeveloped character i i think one of the biggest issues that we brought up is the fact that women do often feel like we are, we exist for other people, mm-hmm. and it's a, the trope perpetuates that mm-hmm. so much that it, it's you know it's a little hard to watch it if you if you know what to look for. The inherent parts of the trope aren't necessarily bad, right? The quirkiness, yeah. Mm-hmm. The looking at everything with a positive light, mm-hmm. the being goofy sometimes, even dyeing your hair, like whatever. Yeah. Do those things. Be like that if you want. But remember that you still have a life. <laughs> yeah. You know? That's it. It's as simple as that. In, 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 you in have her, a life. And the thing is, I think every woman in reality knows that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, the personality of it is not the problem. You can have characters like that, but they just need they need more. Like, if we want to step back to one of these movies, mm-hmm. Elizabethtown is the one that I keep we keep bringing up. She, the way she acts is fine and she's being silly and she's into mm-hmm. old music and she likes to take road trips mm-hmm. and all these things she knows about small towns and, yeah. and things like that. That's all really cool. She's into history, it seems. But like, talk about it. Yeah. You know, yeah. like she, yeah. that stuff is important to her as a person. And it's not just there to move this guy along, right? Mm-hmm. She she had she seemed like she had problems, but it never mattered. Like all like we said at the very beginning of the episode, or like I said, it's so close. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not it's not the hardest thing to fix this, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Absolutely. writing writing isn't easy. I don't want to <laughs> say like it is, but because the trope is defined, we know what to avoid. Yeah. Right? And some of the things that she does bother me, like she has right. this, she has this almost magical ability yeah, yeah. that I, yeah. I don't, I don't appreciate I mean, because yeah. it does, it paints her, it paints women in that, like, you know, the, you know, it's where the pixie yeah. part comes in, yeah. right? It, like, yeah, it went a little far. I, I love the road trip scene at the end, the where he goes on the long road trip mm-hmm. and she has it all mapped out and the music's perfect and everything. Mm-hmm. 
But that is so pixie. Like, it's it's so because she maps out exactly when he's gonna find the newspaper. Like and she how... maps out yeah. exactly like when he's gonna be in each town. It, this would be impossible. Yeah, I was just gonna say when uh, when we were watching, I watched it with my fiance. We both were looking like, how did she <laughs> find yeah. the yeah, time it's to impossible. put this? Yeah, how did she do this? She is she, pro- probably a full time flight attendant. Yeah. Like, when, yeah. when did she have time? This mm-hmm. would have been impossible to map out all of this stuff. It would have taken a year at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would have, I mean, and she was supposed to have done it in a couple days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I know she, like, probably knows the roads and stuff, but. No way Still. she was going to time it. Unless, yeah. unless, the only explanation. She needs to know how fast his car is going. So. Right, yeah. exactly. The only explanation would be that she was working on this road trip binder, like, for herself. Self, yeah. And then it was like, oh, too. perfect opportunity. Give Here it to this go. guy. Yeah. You like, know. she went on all the road trips and, and counted out how much yeah. time it took her to yeah. go. Like, she had probably had instructions, like, don't go over the speed limit. I had Idiot. to. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, I have yeah. to time this out perfectly. It would, so, <laughs> it would be so easy to screw it up. He gets pulled over or something yes. once, and it's gone. <laughs> Oof, thro- it's the, all done. Everything beyond that the, point, The tape is done. like, good morning, how did yep. you sleep? And it's still 11 o'clock at night. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Anyway. Right. Yeah, so... Yeah, more of the story. You are you, you are beautiful, and you don't solely exist for a man. There you go. Or anybody else. Or anybody else. Or anyone. Yes, anyone. Yeah. Yes. That's right. <laughs> and I think that's a case closed. Good night, everybody. And remember to check us out. <laughs> and that's it. Don't worry about anything else. <laughs> don't bother about our website, blackcasediaries.com. You got this, Marcy. <laughs> I do. I'm so good. All right, yes, but please go check out our website, blackcasediaries.com. You can find all of our socials there, Instagram, Facebook, Patreon. Um, yeah, all we're, of it. All of it. All of us. Just find us there. That's and uh, hopefully, we're hoping to have an Etsy soon, so Ooh, maybe spoilers. look out. Working on that. Yeah, uh-huh. so hopefully we'll be able to get that uh, up and running for you guys soon. So, all right. Bye. Goodbye. We appreciate you. Bye.